G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Some people have the most amazing stories to tell about their adventures serving God. We might admire people who hold nothing back and who stand confident and strong in their faith. Well, today, a story of jumping into the unknown. It's the story of an Australian couple and a journey that took them from living in Cairns, North Queensland, to a village in rural Malawi in Africa. The book that's been written by Melanie Downs is called Jump Into the Unknown. And Melanie unpacks a raw life lesson or two over a decade of learning to trust God in a different culture with a different worldview. Melanie Downs is joining us. Melanie, welcome along to 2020. Hello, thanks for having me here today. Melanie, when your book is being read by friends and people that you've had contact with, they can hardly believe the story. What's so different about living in Malawi to what we might be thinking is life in Queensland or in Australia? (laughs) Very different indeed. Yes, I think... um You know, it's not until you experience something can you really appreciate what it's like. But our life in Malawi is significantly different to that in Queensland, particularly. And we, um, you know, we're trying to understand things like poverty, um, lack of sustainability, um, oppression, fear that that just manifests themselves in a really tangible way. Um, when people are hungry or starving and you're standing in front of that person, it's very confronting. Whereas we just don't encounter that type of lifestyle here in Australia. We have everything right around us at our fingertips, almost on a silver platter, where you go to a place where life is very raw and very vulnerable. Um, it certainly changes your perspective. You travel in missionary activity with Global Interaction, and we'll give an address for that organisation a little later on, but... Uh, they throw you into a circumstance like you were in Malawi. Did they forewarn you, prepare you for what you were about to see? Because what we're talking here is real culture shock, aren't we? Yes, yes. We have something actually called transition training. So they're very proactive in preparing us. I don't know if you can ever truly be completely prepared, but a lot of a lot of time and effort has gone into transition and studying different cultures. We are um, kind of... Amateur anthropologists, I guess, we spend a lot of time looking at culture and cultural differences. We learn the language. We study, um, I guess, the word animism as well as the religious background, just trying to understand and appreciate where people are coming from because it is, it's a massive leap. And I think because global interaction has been around for a long time, they have people who know what they're talking about. There are people who can use their own experience to guide and help us as we jump, which is really great. So when you say poverty, you're talking about extreme poverty. How does it look when you're on the ground and you're trying to make sense of what you're seeing? 
Yeah, Malawi has won the award for the last three or, three or four years now as having the lowest gross domestic product in the world. Where we live in our region, we're working with the Yao people and they had the recent statistics come out from the 2018 census that we are the poorest of the poor. So the average lifespan of a Yao male female is around 40 years of age. We have the worst um, infant mortality rates. We have really high HIV AIDS. We have our, our community has a hospital of 300 beds that services 1.8 million people. We just don't have resources. We just don't have simple things like clean water, um, you know, enough food for the family. We have subsistence farming, people who just don't have any money in their home. Um, and simple things just aren't there. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty extreme. And the setting that you're in, it's a nation that's in southeast of Africa and uh, other nations that surround like Mozambique and Zimbabwe, uh, Tanzania. You've got this poverty. There's also an Islamic influence and you mentioned that word animism. What does that mean for listeners when they think of animism uh, in an African nation? Yeah, so there's layers of meaning to all of this. I mean, Malawi is a Christian nation. It's, they call it the warm heart of Africa, beautiful countryside, lovely people. The history is, however, that David Livingston came on board. He stopped the slave trade and the Yao were known as the slave traders. So they used to work with the Arabs and trade in local neighboring tribes. So the Yao were the power brokers and then they encountered um, the, the, the end of the slave trade. They remained with Islam while the rest of the country and surrounding nations went with Christianity. So there's very much a, a rift there. Saying that, that's religion, but now we talk about animism, that's a much deeper level where people are interacting with the spirit world on a daily basis. So they, there's a worldview that everything is spiritual. Everything happens because of spiritual influence. And so appeasing ancestors, doing rituals to create favour, traditions of, um, you know, passed down from generation to generation to appease the spirit world. That's, um, that's really the core of the community. And I've, I've really been finding that a steep learning curve in our journey to understand the people that we live and work with. Are there such things as witch doctors and those sorts of occult practices that really flourish in, a, in an animistic world? Oh, absolutely. And I think we as believers often dismiss this stuff as mumbo-jumbo. Um, we don't have to go too far back in our own Australian culture to find days when this was very alive and active. And if we go to biblical culture, it's very alive and active there as well. Um, refer to the story when Saul went to the witch of Endor and, and called up Samuel. That was a real story. Um, Moses, when the miracles were happening, turning the Red Sea into blood, the magicians from Pharaoh did the same thing. So we're talking about a real power and people are, are influenced and, and see the spirit world in a very real way. Um, whereas I think we in the West, we rely on science and logic to save us. It doesn't always work that way. And so no surprise when your friends and people who've read your book, uh, your book is called Jump Into the Unknown, no surprise then when they say, 
I can't believe this is real, but it really is real. Yes, well, it is real. And I think um, what we didn't know was when we walked in that <laughs> um, we rely a lot on logic and reasoning and our scientific understanding in the Western world. Whereas you go into the majority of the world and the spirit world is exactly what keeps things running. So we were drinking from a fire hydrant, I think, when we turned up. And often in terms of our understanding of the spirit world, we took a knife to a gunfight. We had to learn very quickly that God is real and he's active and miracles still happen today. And let's um, embrace that. Sometimes we might be familiar with a terminology like having a power encounter. When you are a carrier of the gospel, as someone who reflects the light of Christ, and you find yourself into a darkened environment where superstition rules, uh, where the spirit world is very real to the people, what difference does the gospel make when you begin to share truth and the gospel into a, into a context like that? Yes, well, I mean, the truth is the Bible talks about the name of Jesus above all other names. And this is very true. Um, the interesting thing is often like Tim and I will be in a situation where perhaps someone has um, been influenced by the demonic and you can see that manifesting and we can be there praying in Jesus' name. And we've done that several times and praying over the person for freedom and the family surrounded and we do it in a very culturally appropriate way and see a huge power encounter, a big, a big place where the, the spirit was tormenting, has left, the person's come to a peaceful place. And we, we ourselves are often a bit um, amazed and in wonder of the power of God. But the people we're working with take it as just another day. They're not surprised at power encounters, actually. We even had someone say, oh, we came to you this time because you're free, but we have to pay for the witch doctor. Oh. When, it's not that unusual. So it's normal for Christian ministry to have these sorts of power encounters. And and so do people recognize very quickly that if they get free from that spiritual bondage that they're under and uh, this animistic spirit world, uh, do they recognize a freedom when they are set free in the name of Jesus? Does that work that simply? Um, not every time. And I refer back to Jesus' ministry. Not everyone who was healed followed him. And that seems to be the same story. Some people absolutely understand and want to believe in this power. Other people just don't. Um, we actually had a witch doctor come to one of our groups and want to hear God's word because they wanted to receive this power that we're speaking about. But it doesn't quite work that way. There has to be surrender. There has to be repentance. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been very interesting just understanding how it comes together and it made the Bible come alive because the Word of God is true and active. And Melanie, you call it a faith journey that isn't pretty, but it's real. And your readers, they can hardly believe the sorts of stories you tell in your book, Jump Into the Unknown. Now, how do people get a hold of your book and what are they likely to feel when they begin to read some of these stories? Yeah, well, I mean, the book's available in Kurong, or you can contact us through Global Interaction and we can easily get copies out. Um, I believe, actually, in the, if you're truly wanting to follow Jesus and you're serious about your faith, you take these steps, these places, these leaps of vulnerability um, and in the attempt to be obedient to what God's put on your heart. 
inevitably we always encounter some form of opposition. And this is what I unpack, is that this is not a new thing, but this opposition that you face is actually what God wants you to rejoice about. It wants you, he wants you to learn more about yourself and more about him. And I think we have this mindset that, oh, okay, God's going to look after me and wrap me in bubble wrap, but he doesn't. And so I just tell the story straight of what happened to us in the hope that someone else will come along, read this story and relate to their own story and then claim the victory that we have that we can get through these tough times together because of God and not because of us. And some will no doubt be hearing our conversation today saying, you know, I really always wanted to go to the mission field. Uh, I didn't want to go if it was going to be really, really tough. And hearing it roar and hearing it, it's not easy. It's actually a really difficult thing you do when you serve as a missionary in that context. Some will be saying, perhaps I should find out a bit more detail about how I can join the missionary effort and reach out to people around the world, even in difficult contexts. Is there a way that people can connect with you personally, Melanie? Yes, absolutely. Um, I have a website, melaniedowns.com. It's coming together, so it'll make that available for people to contact us, but also through Global Interaction. That They're very quick to answer and very keen to help out anyone. But I want to speak into that just quickly. I think we are under... <laughs> We're all under an obligation to live by what we believe. And whether that is in Africa, whether that's in Australia, whether that's in a you know, nine-to-five job, everyone has to act out on what they believe. And I think we can miss that. And there's a danger of not so much the fear of failure, but the fear of, the fear of being successful at something that doesn't matter. Um, so trying to get perspective there is really important. Well, Melanie, special honour to you and your husband Tim. You've served in Malawi, and I'm not sure how. When he, I'm not sure if you're planning to go back, but let's keep in touch and uh, give us an update if you are. But uh, let me give those websites to connect with Melanie Downs and her husband Tim. MelanieDowns.com, and you'll be able to get details about the book on MelanieDowns.com. And to connect with Melanie and Tim by way of a missionary effort, you might want to get some more details about how you can serve in some tough contexts around the world. GlobalInteraction.org.au GlobalInteraction.org.au You'll be able to connect with Tim and Melanie on that website and also get details about how you can serve in mission as they have. Melanie, wonderful talking. Thanks so much for talking to us today on 2020. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.